This is a podcast from Sin Media, previously heard live on Sin Nation. Thanks for tuning in to Help Me Help You Help Me. It is your host, Peter Petitis, and we're talking full-time work. So what does it mean? Why do people do it when we're fresh out of university, when we're fresh out of high school? What really makes us go towards it? Do we even feel like doing it? Being a fresh graduate myself, going into full-time work seems really, really scary, and I think I'm putting it off as much as I can. So today I'm going to be talking to not necessarily professionals, but people who are in the big league of work about their experiences, about, I guess, what's gotten them into it after not being full-time workers, and how they found that transition from university or part-time jobs into working full-time and that hustle. If you guys are joining us for the first time on Help Me Help You Help Me, pretty much the crux of the show is to help you feel better about yourself. If you're feeling like a bit of a Gen Z millennial dropkick, not really quite sure where you belong in this world or what you're doing here, then hopefully this is a bit of a refresher just to kind of give you the guidance and the confidence to be okay with where you are right now. So if you do want to get involved in the show in any way as we are live, you can do so through a couple of different options. We've got our Instagram and Facebook pages, which are just, if you type in, help me, help you, help me, sin, very accessible. You can slip into the DMs and I should be on top of that. We are having some technical difficulties with Wi-Fi connection, so I'll try as best to get to some messages during the show. Um, Otherwise, if you don't necessarily want to brave it with your own personality and identity, you can just slip in an anonymous question through our Tumblr, which is helpmehelpyouhelpmesin.tumblr.com forward slash ask. So my first guest in the studio today, this evening, is Thomas. How are you, mate? I'm not too bad at all. Thank you, Peter. How are you? I'm pretty good. That's good to hear. Has it been a pretty busy day in the office for you, Tom? Absolutely flat out, as per usual. Um, uh, but, you know, got to do what you can. Got to hustle. Make that bread. Yeah, make that bread. How is the bread going? Is it like multi-grain, sourdough? What kind of bread are we talking? Um, I'm a bit of a nine-grain type operator. Um, bit, of, bit, of butter, bit of butter, bit of Vegemite, and um, my day is... Ready to go. Sounds like a bit of effort. Uh, I'd like to hear more about how you can do that in an entire five-day week. Sounds hectic. So what you're going to be talking to us in particular about is pretty much transitioning straight from university into full-time work. So you graduated uni, was it last year, end of last year? Oh, sorry, 2017. Yeah, end of 2017, that's right. Yep. Studied a uh, Bachelor of Communications in Advertising. Great. And that was like a three-year course? Yep, three years full-time. Did you feel like three years was enough to get into the workforce for you? Uh, I think it definitely was. I'm not in my field at the moment, but if I... I think RMIT definitely gave me heaps of opportunities too if I did choose to sort of go into uh, the advertising field straight away. But yeah, I just don't think I was ready. So I chose to sort of try something else. Cool. We come from a very similar background with tertiary education. I did a uh, Bachelor of Media Communications. It was kind of broad and mixed up with a major in advertising. Really enjoyed it myself. I kind of feel like three years was not enough for me to feel comfortable in injecting myself into full-time work. I don't necessarily know if that was because of the course or if it was just because that's my nature and I feel like I need to slow it down. And it kind of gives me this idea of a stigma around full-time work as well. I kind of get the idea, like at least while I was in uni, that it's something that's really intense. It's something that drowns you and tires you out and you kind of have to grow up really fast, which is, I guess, why a lot of people are afraid of it. So in the first segment of today in Help Me, Help You, Help Me, I do want to talk about why people are afraid of full-time work. And I think it's something that both of us have either experienced ourselves or have had people around us experience. So I kind of just want to get your gauge from that. Why do you think people shy away from it after university or school? I think people are just a bit scared of growing up, you know. Suddenly, you know, you can maybe study a couple of hours a week and you can work a little bit and you can also go out to the pub whenever you want or, you know, go to the park at, you know, 3.30 in the afternoon. Suddenly that sort of freedom is taken away from you and you've got to work at, you got to be at work at 9 o'clock and you can only leave at 5 o'clock and stuff like that. So I think people are sort of a bit scared that this is the start of the rest of their life opposed to, 
you know, having the option to sort of do whatever they want and the freedom to sort of choose their own path, I guess. Yeah, it kind of feels like a big responsibility where you won't really get time to yourself. Do you find that you do get time to yourself? Do you still live your life? Um, I'd say it's a, it's a tricky question. I think you've also, you've got to obviously sort of manage your time because if I'm working, you know, 40 hours a week, um, it means that I do only have sort of two days a week, Saturday, Sunday to do what I want. And mm. normally because I am busy during the week, Sunday's got to be sort of a life admin day. So really you've only got sort of Friday night and, and Saturday to sort of do what you want. But, um, obviously on the, on the other side of that working five days a week means you do have a bit more money opposed to, you know, if I was working at a bar for 15 hours a week, which is, and, and having a bit more time. So it is a, it is a bit of a trade off, but I, I really like it. And I was pretty, pretty lucky that I started off as a casual, um, where I work. So I could sort of work four days a week and then I started working five days a week and then I went away for a little bit. And when I came back, signed that full-time contract. So got all that sort of sick leave and annual leave and sort of stuff, which is, it's, it's exciting to see that it's there, but, um, that's something that I'd like to talk about actually is the real perks of working full time and even that more serious part time if that's something that you're considering because it's something that we just don't really think about. We kind of think that we give up our freedoms and liberties when we sign a contract to work full time but really there are so many benefits involved. I do want to save that for a little later on but going back to this idea of why people are quite afraid of full time could be because they just don't know enough about it. I just think we never sit down in school and get told about the world from the perspective of when you start making money. You just get told about moving on to tertiary education, really. Sometimes there might be some practical skills if you're doing like a VCAL or VET program, but they're just really focused to one particular industry. I think many people just don't know who they are and what they want to do. And I think this is the biggest flaw in the system of getting into full-time work and obviously thinking about if I start working, am I going to be stuck there? Is it something that you have thought about before? Yeah, well, as I, as I said before, I'm not in my – I study an advertising degree, but I'm actually working in customer service and logistics. So I sort of started off as a thing and I was like, I'm going to work here for however long before I go travelling. Then when I get back, maybe I'll, I'll dip my feet into something that is a bit more industry-related. But once I started working in customer service and logistics, I thought, this is actually really interesting and I, I'm thinking in a way that I never thought I, I was – I would be thinking before and so I'm learning all these new things so I thought I'm just going to stay here for a bit and then maybe take those skills somewhere else and maybe I will sort of take the logistics skills that I have learned into an industry role or maybe I'll try something completely different again. Did you find it hard to actually get into a job where you hadn't had experience previously? Um, I think what is happening with a lot of jobs these days and this, so I work at Kogan, it was, it was no different at all. I had to be referred by someone. So I, one of my housemates at the time, he was working there and he said, Hey, listen, um, they've got a spot available. Do you want to apply? So I applied, you know, sending my, my cover letter, my resume and interviewed and I was lucky enough to get in and, uh, yeah, I, but I don't think I would have got that job if it wasn't for, for my friend working there. You know, I've handed out hundreds of resumes for bars and other jobs like that, you know, apply on seek. And Mm. a lot of the time you don't even get a reply, but luckily I did know someone who worked there and he could sort of sort me out. That's something I do want to talk about later in the show as well is really how to get the job. So we've done a bit of an introduction into what we're going to be discussing today. And it's really in the area of full-time work, what it looks like, what it feels like, what the hesitancies are that a lot of young people have and pretty much how to get it if you're after it and how to realise that you're ready for it. So later on in the show, we're going to be discussing, I guess, what your resume should be looking like, what kind of experience you should bring to the table and how to really make your interview sing. But that is if you get to that stage. So it's obviously something that we've just touched on now. It's kind of all about who you know in the industry. Um, Being someone who recently just graduated, I felt obliged to start applying for full-time jobs and part-time jobs as soon as I was finishing my last few assignments. I had previously had a chat to so many people in my life to say like, nah, that's not for me. I think I'm going to do the rest of my year as I do working my other part-time job, maybe go do some traveling. And then if the right job comes along, I'll think about it. But I kind of just felt pushed into this idea of setting up my resume, my applications, setting them out and doing everything I possibly could to land some interviews. 
but I didn't land anything. And I had a couple of really good internships under my belt, one of which was overseas. I'd also studied abroad for six months in the US and that pretty much counts for something. I even had a client over there doing PR work and I got no interviews. So how do you fare when everything's kind of against you in that sense? I think a big thing is making sure you don't burn any bridges at all and obviously sometimes bridges pop up where you have no idea you know I was recently in Byron Bay and I was just at the bar with my dad and these two guys sat next to me and they were like hey where are you from oh from Melbourne oh so are we so so having a chat to them and they turned out to be sort of investment property um hot shots and they were like oh you know so if if you're in Melbourne you want to get a coffee make sure you, you give us a shout so got both their numbers and I wouldn't have thought you know I'd potentially have a, a, a like a I don't know a road to an internship or a road to a job just by going down to the pub with my dad and just having a few quiet beers but uh similarly like I've worked at bars and stuff people I've served you know if you you give them a smile and you you give them sort of something to give back to you people are generally more than willing to lend a hand it's really interesting because this idea of being like a walking brand is something that a lot of people will scoff at but in actual fact, it's the only way you can really make a living for yourself is to be a personality and to engage with people that could prospectively want something from you and in exchange and return would be work. So it's really, really interesting how that comes up. Um, I think a lot of people coming out of university don't have those social skills because they're hard to build through one placement or internship and they could work anywhere they could work for their dad or their auntie or go somewhere that's just like admin and they really don't engage with people so even thinking about international students or people with any kind of like language um, inabilities it could be quite hard to think of going into life as a brand and needing to really put your best foot first when they don't know how to do that would there be any kind of advice that you would give to people feeling a little less than confident about that? I'd say at the end of the day, um, very rarely will something fall in your lap. You know, you're mm. going to have to put yourself out of your comfort zone. You're going to have to, you know, maybe do something you're not comfortable with. Maybe like for me, for example, that was working in customer service and logistics. Like I didn't think I'd be very good at that. I didn't think I'd be comfortable with that. But I said, you know what, I'll give it a shot. And, and you know, I'm still there 18 months later or so. And I'm absolutely loving work. I think I'm doing pretty well. And I'm, I'm ready for like a new challenge every single day. It's also, um, I would say going sort of above and beyond. And maybe it's not something that you think is clear at the time. But for example, one of my, one of my best mates from uni, he's originally from Perth. And he worked at um, a sunglass hut. And every, every time he'd take out the bin for the upstairs department, He'd grab all the bins from all the sort of stairs on the way down and have it pop in and sort of go, hey, do you mind if I take your bin? Like, you're all good. And so, you know, after six months, suddenly someone on one of those lower levels said, hey, you know, I reckon you'd be really good in this department. And so... <laughs> I've seen you taking out those bins yeah, exactly. and you've just got that, a certain style. Charm. So, yeah, but that was that was a way he made a, a, a link and that link ended up... Uh, sorry, he moved to Melbourne for uni. He ended up in the, the biggest sunglass hut in Australia. So... Oofed. So take out those bins, people, and even just like, you know, if someone wants a water bottle filled up when you're on your way to the kitchen. You take out those bins and you fill those water (laughs) bottles. There's something else that I want to talk about is something that a lot of people are afraid of when it comes to full-time work is being the little bee and and being Mm -hmm. that, I guess, below person that people look to to do little odd jobs for. It's kind of a kick to the ego, a knock to the pride. A lot of people want to be their own person. They want to get... I guess, rewarded for their hard work. They don't just want to be a number. When I was in university and a lot of people were talking about graduate programs, which are usually the first step after uni, I just got the impression that I'd be making coffees, I'd be working like 10, 11 hour days, I'd be not getting paid enough and I'd pretty much be like doing high intensity labour without the rewards and I just didn't want to do that. And then Those industries are also very corporate where it's like a crazy hierarchy. People just want to move up the ladder. No one knows your name. And it freaked me out. Is it something that you kind of experienced at all being in a bigger industry now? Um, I think obviously, yeah, as you were saying, you don't want to do all those sort of tedious jobs that aren't really relative. You know, you don't want to be the water bottle guy or the bin guy for the rest of your life. But I think it will change depending on the workplace. You know, Um, I was pretty happy to to put myself out there and I think as long as you absorb as much as you can you know you've got to always try and be learning whether 
it's a, a literal lesson. Someone goes, hey, Tom, um, Thomas, like sit in on this class and, and watch this or watch this video so you know what to do. Or whether you just put yourself, you put your hand up and go, hey, do you mind if I watch you do this? And it might suck and you might be sitting there for two hours going, oh, this is completely irrelevant. But if you understand sort of another step and then you understand another step, suddenly someone goes, oh, hold on a second, that person's been really trying to, to put themselves out there and really trying to learn more. I think people do really appreciate that um, when it is continuous and it will might go unnoticed for, you know, two weeks or it might go unnoticed for six weeks or three months. But in the end, I would say if you do keep putting yourself out there and you always are trying to absorb and always trying to learn, people will sort of pick up on it. Yeah, I really like that point. And in saying all of this about, I guess, being okay with being at the lower end of the hierarchy and going up, I think it's something that we kind of need to detach from our Gen Z and millennial entitlement, which it's going to be hard for me to do. I I confess, so hard. Um, It's why I kind of want to start small, find the right place for me, but it just may not be as easy as that. Coming up after a quick break, I do want to talk a little bit more about where Thomas is at and how he kind of found work in Kogan. And then we're also going to discuss the perks and benefits of working full time and what that actually looks like, because we kind of feel like our freedom's the best, but we're not really making money in going traveling every second month. We're losing more than we're gaining. What about superannuation or what about other kinds of benefits? You're back with me, Peter, your host, and we are tuned in to help me help you help me on Sin Nation. Thanks for joining us if you are streaming live. We've had some technical difficulties over the last few weeks, so if you have tuned into your digital radio, that means the world. Of course, you can catch up online on Omni if you do follow our Facebook and Instagram accounts at Help Me Help You Help Me Sin. You can find the links attached for past episodes. Currently, we only have episode one uploaded but episode two is coming in the next couple of days and this is only episode three so this will probably be uploaded in the next week. In the studio I have Thomas, he's been talking to me about the idea of full-time work being less scary than it really should be. He's been working full-time now for the last year but he did have a stint overseas um, which was, was that paid leave? No that was actually unpaid leave. Unpaid leave, cool. Uh, How did you go with getting that? So when I first started at Kogan, uh, it was uh, probably October 2017. So it was just before I graduated and um, I was working four days a week there. And I sort of said, you know, if I'm working four days a week, I may as well work five days a week. So I was working casually five days a week. And so over Christmas, got some leave to be with my family. And then sort of January started and I was working five days a week on casual rates and um for people who are on casual rates and people who are paying people casual rates that's not what your your finance department is liking too much so uh, my boss sort of came to me and she said hey listen um I know you're working five days a week but you're on casual at the moment we can't uh, can't keep doing this so you're gonna have to sign a full-time contract and I sort of said to her listen I'm going away for three months pretty soon this is going to be a bit you know how's that going to work with leave and she sort of had to think about it and she came back and she said yeah that's a fair call well just so you know there is a full-time contract waiting for you when you get back if you want it. Otherwise, you can go back to casual, but you will have to cut down your hours. So just basically left a casual contract and then had I uh, had the option of coming back, which was a pretty pretty pleasant I guess thing. if you were in a full-time or part-time contract before planning to go overseas, would that have got, gone down as easily as it did when you were on casual contract? I uh, I wouldn't say so. Yeah. I think they're generally pretty um, upset with people taking too much leave, especially straight after you start work. So I started in September, like I said, and then I went away in at the very, very start of June. So what's that, eight months or so. So that's still pretty early. A lot of the time, if you are signing a full-time contract, they will ask you as well. So do you have any plans to you know go away for extended periods of time in the next mm. 12 months? Is there any reason you'll need to take a lot of leave? And um, a lot of the time, obviously, I would have said, yeah, so I'm keen to go casual and they were pretty happy with that. Whereas, you know, my friend, uh, I'm one of my friends just started working at Kogan as well. And she's just been traveling. And that was one of the big things that they asked her. Yeah. So it makes sense to be quite transparent when you are working around contracts. Mm -hmm. And if you are feeling like you need some more time to travel, go abroad for any kind of reasons, then would you recommend just casual contracts and maybe working in a couple different jobs to fill that full-time slot but really to kind of get paid the maximum and to have the most freedom? 
And I think it, I think it really depends on the workplace. So a guy I work with is actually in a band. So he sort of tours three months a year or something. So he sort of started off on a full-time contract and then was like, Hey, I'm going to take all this time off. And then I need this much annual leave, but cause he's away for three months, obviously you don't get three months annual leave a year. So he, um, he was actually told by HR. He was like, Hey, I think this would be better for you. And this sort of would work out better if you're just casual and then you can come and go as you please. But I think ultimately, again, it depends on the company. Uh, if you're just pretty transparent with your mm. HR rep and, and stuff like that, where I work is is pretty relaxed. So if you do want to do something, they go, all right, well, we can work around that because, you know, they want a, a good work environment for you and they want you to be happy to be doing the best work that you can. If you've just tuned in, you're on Help Me Help You Help Me on Sin Nation and we're talking to a friend of mine named Thomas who is in that full-time grind and we're talking most particularly about, I guess, the benefits involved in full-time work and a lot of people don't really realise them and one's being transparency in the workplace. If you've come from high school or university, there's literally no one you can talk to that understands your situation. It's running around in the administration areas that is just the most boggling for most students. No one really can ever empathise. How is a relationship with a HR representative different to what we're used to? I think it's quite interesting, you know, a lot of the time in high school and in uni, you are sort of looking for excuses, you know, like, why is this assignment like, oh, my internet was broken, like, no, nah, you were just sort of hanging out with your mates or, or something like that. Whereas a lot of the time oh, with my particular HR rep, you know, if I sort of go to her office and I go, hey, this is, this is what's happening. This is how I'm feeling. Like, this is my plan for the next three months. She'll go, all right, well, let's work around that. Or like, you know, if someone who I work with has been taking lots of sick days, uh, if they sort of call up and go, hey, I've got a, I think I've got a cold or I think I'm not feeling too well. If that's happening sort of continually, then she's sort of come come to us and said, hey, listen, this person's been taking extended sick leave. Maybe there's something else wrong there. Maybe it's not a fever once every two weeks. Maybe it's something that we need to sit down and have a chat and go, hey, is there something we can uh, do to help you sort of manage this and make sure that you potentially go back to casual, you know, if it's getting too stressful working full time. And if it's not good for your health, then we will need to sort of help you there. This is insane. Like I didn't know that adult people could ever be that empathetic. I'm really, really shocked. Like I'm brimming. <laughs> I'm smiling. I didn't know that full-time work could be like that. I guess where I'm coming from in my experiences with work, I haven't necessarily had the worst experiences. The company that I work with currently, I've been working for for the last three years, but the problem is their head office is in Sydney. So having a head office interstate means that as much as you'd like to communicate with them as transparently as you can, they just don't necessarily understand exactly what you're going through at all times. So that just sounds like something that you have so easily at your fingertips that yeah. I'm really, really jealous of. Yeah, and like as long as I think the management sort of roles, the more that they are speaking as well, like so I, I've like recently sort of been promoted and I am in it like a bit of a management role now. So it is interesting before I was in this role, I had no idea how much, you know, managers and HR people spoke about me, but there are conversations going on all the time and people are always asking about, is their work okay? You know, but on the other side of that, you know, how's their morale? Have they been, you know, down a bit recently? Cause obviously you spend five days a week with these mm. people. You spend 40 hours a week. I see these people more than I see my housemates, more than I see my family. Like, so they're, how they're feeling and how your relationship is with them will affect your work. And obviously as a business, you want your, your work to be first and foremost. But if that, um, if everyone's morale is suffering, then your work is going to suffer as a result. Yeah, really interesting. I guess from my experience having internship backgrounds of only being in the internship for like two full days of a week, uh, I didn't really see that. Um, I just kind of felt detached from their overall workplace culture uh, as much as I felt like I really wanted to be a part of it and people were super friendly it just didn't kind of mold as quickly as I thought it would and I wasn't really a main focus for them everyone just kind of went about their day as they would um, and I wasn't really a part of it kind of just doing the odd jobs with the two supervisors that I had so I guess if there's more pace and if you're working five days then there's a real difference there I don't even know if there was a HR rep where I was working which is really weird anyway I also want to ask about like paid leave and those other kind of perks that as a student or per people who have maybe just left student um being a student at university or high school what exactly is it can you explain it as in terms of sick leave or 
just your paid leave annually? What does it look like? So I'm not 100% sure because, as I said, I've, I was casual up until about probably three or four months ago. So I am sort of still learning this myself and there are a lot of things that I am unsure of. But again, like if you are in full-time work and if I ever have any questions, I just have a chat to my HR and go, hey, so if I've got this much sick leave and I've got this much annual leave, but I need to take a holiday here, like how's that going to work out for me? And they're always, oh, in my case especially, like she's always more than happy to explain that. But the way I understand it is you have a certain amount of sick leave at the start of your contract and you can obviously take that and then, uh, annual leave just sort of um, you get a little bit every month. So every pay slip I get, you know, Thomas has earned this much money and he's earned this much annual leave. And so that might be, I think it's about you know, a quarter of a day a week or something. So wow. um, over four months, I might have, you know, just over a week's annual leave. So if I leave, then I don't get, you know, a whole year's mm. annual leave or if I want to go away, I haven't quite earned that yet. So it's just like, just like any other type of money, I guess. And just accumulates. Yeah. Yeah, interesting. What other kind of benefits do you think you're getting in the workplace working full-time than what you're maybe used to having worked casual in the past? Um, well, a big one is obviously job security. Like now that I've signed that full-time contract, doesn't matter. As long as I'm doing my job, I'm, I've got a job and I've I'm, I'm got some money in the bank. Whereas, you know, previously I worked at a bar and if I was sort of really needing some money and they go, you know what, Thomas, it's 8 o'clock nothing's happening tonight. Mm-hmm. You've got to go home. Like suddenly that's six hours of work that I'm not getting and six hours of pay that I'm not getting. So I would say that's probably, probably one of the big things, um, the job security. Uh, but yeah, again, like it will just change from, from place to place. I get, like I'm, I'm really liking where I'm working as well. Cause they're, they're trying to teach me as much stuff as I can. So mm-hmm. or, sorry, as, as they can, you know, they're going, all right, we're going to use this system. So within sort of, um, when I started, I've, I've sort of learnt how to use sort of PayPal and all the systems behind that. I've learnt how to use different sort of operating systems. I've learnt how to, like I've had things to do with the finance team and I've had stuff to do with the logistics department. I've had stuff to do with, you know, buying teams and warehouses and lots of different uh, couriers. So you are always learning and stuff like that. And now if I have a problem with, whether it's with Kogan or another online retailer, I sort of get the situation a little bit more and I am sort of a bit more, also, I guess, empathetic towards their cause, but I also know what's going to cause it and how I can get the best resolution for myself. Yeah, it really does make sense when people talk about having the best experience by working on the job. And I guess the sooner you get into any kind of full-time or even part-time and casual position um, in a league that you're not used to, you will start working and learning immediately at the same time. I guess it can be a bit overwhelming, which is why some people don't quite feel ready for that. Uh, they kind of want to take their experience with confidence into the job that they go into. What does it feel like when maybe you're not ready for a milestone like work? Um, I think I think it's always important to sort of really have a think about what you want. And as I said before, like um, it will change from person to person. I was pretty happy to get to get really stuck in. And then if I wasn't a fan, then I'll sort of adapt sort of through that. That's why I started off as a casual. I didn't sign that full-time contract at first because I thought, you know, what if I don't like this? What if I want to go back to working at the bar Mm. a couple of days a week and I only want to work at Kogan one or two days a week? So I was sort of hesitant to go in, but um, yeah, I, I would say... It's, it's very individual. You know, I was pretty happy to get stuck into full-time work, but I wasn't necessarily wa- wanting to go into my industry. So, But everyone is different. I've got friends who were doing internships full-time while studying full-time and then went straight into full-time work and they absolutely loved it. I have friends who didn't do too many internships, went straight into full-time work in the industry and they absolutely hated it. So it's it's a tricky one to answer. Well, I guess it's a really interesting system how you've gone about it where you found a connection that will then move on to casual work and that you could then think about full-time work. And that's your stepping stone. You know it's not something you want to do for the rest of your life, but you know that you're gaining a skill set that you wouldn't otherwise yeah, gain. Yeah, exactly. And I think another important thing that I sort of just – I've been sort of explaining to people. So my my friend who referred me, he – uh, he only had it as a uni job and he knew it was only ever going to be a uni job. Whereas, So he, I think, sort of um, – was not as eager to sort of pursue it as I am. Whereas if you can swing your experience in a certain way, you know, now I can say, you know, one of Australia's biggest e-commerce sites, I have actually been representing them on their PayPal account, Facebook account, on their eBay account. Like as a 22 year old, that's, that's pretty impressive. Um, but 
at the same time, I could be like, you know, I just reply to customers all day. Yeah. <laughs> and so it is all about how you swing it and, and how you want to take that into the next job and how you, you view it, you know? Yeah, that's definitely, definitely right. Uh, it's great to hear that you've had such a positive experience and you've kind of taken it at your own pace. In a moment's time, after we come back from a break, we're going to be talking to another friend of mine named Kira, who has kind of flooded all over the place with where she's at now. She's currently working a couple of jobs, making up a full-time workload, which is her own system, I guess, of cheating the system of becoming a full-time hustler. So we'll be talking a little bit about what she did in the meantime, I guess her gap years and how she worked throughout university as well. You're tuned in to help me help you help me on Sin Nation with your host, Peter. I am joined by fantabulous guest Thomas. He was talking earlier about his full-time experience at Kogan, an e-commerce site that he's been working at for the last year and six months or so. Yep. Now I have a new guest. Her name is Kira. She's joining the panel. And Kira, I met, well, long time ago, not really, a few years ago, working a Christmas casual job. You're still there. Kind of. Yeah. <laughs> so, Kira, your experience with work is a bit of a mixed bag. Tell us a bit about where you are now and I guess the road to get there. All right. Um, I'll probably start with my last year of uni. Um, so, again, Peter mentioned earlier, I had this immense pressure to join the workforce and I'm finishing uni now. I'm meant to be working full time, even though that was not at all what I wanted. But I was handed an opportunity that I couldn't really say no to and um, I ended up working in a non-for-profit for a year as a sole communicator, communication of, communications officer. That sounds very uh, intense. It was very dry. <laughs> I was the only person in there that understood anything about Facebook and right. anything about EDM. Yep. So I felt real alone. I also in the same year had to intern as a part of my university course to graduate and I got offered a job from one of my internships. So I was balancing my part, my casual retail job at that time on the weekends and Friday, Thursday night close. Friday, Tuesday, I was at my non-for-profit. Monday, I was at my PR job in <laughs> off Chapel Street <laughs> and Wednesday, I was at university. So it was a seven-day week every week. And I obviously burnt out by the end of that year, quit everything except for my casual job and ran off to Mexico. (laughs) (laughs) Um, No regrets there. Mm -hmm. And I came back and was actually part-time working full-time hours in my retail job for a year and a half. And at the start of last year, I quit that job, went overseas for four months, came back and really luckily again landed a public relations role in a small agency digital marketing agency which I'm loving but I'm not full-time there at the moment I'm working three days a week there and I am back at my retail job playing around with the hours that I want so I can get those penalty rates and make up hours and it's funny because I'm probably working far more than full-time hours (laughs) but I'm telling myself I'm still not in a full-time role. But in a way you're kind of cheating the system and I guess there are more rewards for you because you've got that more flexible workload and you're probably getting penalty rates where full-timers wouldn't necessarily. So it's working for you. How did this happen? Did you think about it? Did you feel ready like you wanted to do the full-time SOG but you wanted to do it your way? Was it like that punch to the ego thing? I still feel like I've never had the moment where I'm like I'm ready for full-time work. Yeah. I think while I was in Europe I stressed myself out, convinced myself that all my friends because we've been out of university for a year or two years now, convinced myself that all of my friends were in these full-time roles building up the corporate ladder and I was gallivanting around Europe falling far behind so while I was still away I actually started applying for as many jobs as I could and and when when I came back I had an interview the first week I got the job on the day and I met up with my best friends for lunch the next morning and found out well, not found out, but I realised well, one girl who I'm friends with is in the corporate world. The rest of us are all casual and I freaked myself out with this crazy pressure that you're running out of time, you need to start working Yeah, now. let's talk about that pressure. Like, Thomas, you being in that corporate world, do you feel like your friends look to you and get a little scared? Like, do they use you as a precedent that they need to achieve? Um, a lot of my friends, uh, like my, my workplace, I, I would honestly put myself in the same boat. I don't think I'm ready for full-time work, like... 
but like I, I rock up to work every day just wearing shorts and thongs and a t-shirt, which is which is pretty sweet. So I think a lot of workplaces are sort of starting to clue in. Like you know, young people don't necessarily want to wear a suit and tie to work, you know, and they're going to do their best work when they're a bit more relaxed. And you know, I'm definitely relaxed going to work every day, just wearing whatever I want and sort of like I wear football jerseys to work if I want to. And I think a lot of people, a lot of companies are going, you know what, if we want the best people, they've got to be relaxed and they've got to be wanting to come to work. And if, you know, you feel like you're not really working, then you're absolutely dreaming, you know. Do you feel like because you've got it so easy, any of your friends are left a bit intimidated by where either of you are at right now? Um, my work environment's kind of the same. We listen to an Ibiza techno set all day <laughs> <laughs> from the moment we get in the office and the moment we leave. I, not quite thongs and football jerseys, but I can wear short skirts. I can dress comfortably, mm. wear open plan. It's really comfortable and easy. I'm taking charge of a lot of the work that I'm doing as well. So I don't have someone yelling at me at all. And it's very free. And I think that if it wasn't like that and I went into a job where I was, you know, shirt, well, not shirt and tie, but Mm. dress corporate and check these emails all day and do media clippings all day and do what I ask of you, I would have freaked out and quit straight away. Because I think that's the fear that everyone has. And so, like, looking to you two both in my life, I'm kind of like thinking like, oh, you know, it doesn't seem that bad. They've kind of got it going on. But I just still feel so halted. And it's obligatory that everyone feels like that at some point in their lives. Like it's just a rite of passage. So this is like really cathartic for me to be able to talk to you guys and see that neither of you figured it out before you got into it, which is really heartwarming. Thank you. I'm not even close. <laughs> not even close. Is there anyone that you guys are intimidated by, like anyone your age? Or do you think that everyone's just putting on this fake kind of facade that they've got it together in the corporate world? I think it's a facade. I think that even all of my friends who I can see loving and thriving in their jobs, and I'm so happy for them, we all have those moments, because I do work, I work a lot, and I have those moments like, oh, geez, if I was a casual, I'd call in sick and (laughs) I'm going to the beach today, even though I never really used to do that either. It's just knowing that you have the option and that option being taken away from you when you're in a full-time role, it freaks you out, even if you would never take it. It's just the knowing Mm. this is what it is, this is how it's going to be until I die, apparently. It's routine. It's scary. I hate routine. Yeah, and from something like Wonderlust that your life was, (laughs) kind of hopping around European islands and going to Melt Festival and just like doof to doof to doof, (laughs) how do you feel now feeling like accomplished or like stilted that you can't do that um I'm actually not stopped (laughs) (laughs) I haven't got any restrictions on me like that yet I have told myself that in the next year if I travel it's 14 days max (laughs) which (laughs) another thing freaking me out but I have I do need to sit down for a year get proper experience settle myself in Melbourne appreciate that my life can't be running around from country to country uh, every I year guess of like my there's life. no one that says that it really can't. Well, my thing, no, that's true. And ultimately, I would love to freelance copyright mm. and work off my laptop everywhere around the world and work for clients that I believe in and love mm-hmm. and want to work for. That's literally the goal. <laughs> yeah, uh, but I, I feel like I've put this cup in my head that I'm, I'm running out of time, mm. and I need to remember. And we all do. I think that okay, maybe for the next two years I am working full-time and that's all I'm going to do and that needs to not freak me out because in the grand scheme of things, two two years' time of full-time work is a lot of money. It's money behind me. It's experience behind me. And if I do choose to quit <laughs> and go travelling for another seven months, I do have those two years of experience to actually get me back in the workforce and even possibly go back to the place that I was at. There are so many options with leave as well. I've got so many friends who are older than me who I cannot believe how much they travel they're traveling every three months for maybe two weeks three weeks in corporate jobs Mm. and I I keep messaging them how are you doing this there are so many ways around full-time work like taking your leave at half pay taking unpaid leave which is an option that apparently a lot of people don't realize you have Mm. I've learned recently you're not you're not shackled to a desk and again as well you guys said earlier the whole if I'm starting and signing a contract I'm here forever also not true you quit your job or you you work around your role you speak to your supervisor my manager 
every week. Are you happy with the work you're doing? Yes, great. Is there anything you'd rather learn? Is there anything else you want to do? There's so many, room, so much room for opportunity in every role you'll ever have. You're not stagnant. There never. are so many rules and regulations as well around like workplace safety, comfortability, um, even sexual harassment. Even in my part-time job, I've had twice runs of twice two runs of sexual harassment training um, and others on top of that, which has been really important for me to feel comfortable in my industry. Um, but you were talking a bit about how people around you are going overseas while they're working. I guess it could even be overseas opportunities while you're working as well. And that brings me to you, Thomas. You've just gotten a little business venture through work. Yeah, I have. Very exciting. So yesterday sort of came to me and they were like, hey, so um, have you got any plans for the next next couple of weeks? I went, oh, you know, got a few little concerts here and there, but... um." nothing apart from work and they said oh how do you feel about going to the philippines for two weeks and i sort of went oh well um yeah i'll I'll check my check my calendar and so (laughs) so i checked the old calendar like can you leave on sunday i'm actually going to going to picnic see carl cox on sunday (laughs) so i said sorry can i leave monday like they were like yeah that we can make that work so um so yeah going overseas for, a, for a couple of weeks it is. you just tell them it's on your terms yeah, yeah. and then because of that like you know they go oh you know you've got to read our our traveling safety like sort of policy and there's a policy for everything in um in hr and in in full-time work but so um they were like if you know if you need to go and get any shots go do that so today on on work time went to the doctor hey uh, yeah. do i need any shots for that. um do i need any shots for the Philippines, like, yep. So, boom, boom, got a receipt, you know. So, I so got very sick in the that. Philippines, so Ooh. you'll yeah. get those shots. Yeah, so, please. Wow. Did you not get any shots? Um, I, no. I, was, <laughs> <laughs> I had chronic sinusitis for oh. several months and what? it was really inflamed before I went, and they told me that I couldn't get shots while I was like what? that. So, I just didn't get any. Yeah, <laughs> I got right. worse. It got way worse while <laughs> I was over there. Came back real skinny though, so <laughs> it was a plus. <laughs> oh board. my gosh, um, social standards. Skinny isn't necessarily okay. That is Kira. true. That oh is very gosh. true. Um, what I do want to talk about when we come back after a quick break is, I guess, this um, saving money for travelling, making time for everything like that. And we've got a fair few Tumblr questions saved up, backed up from the last few days and even last week that really address that. So we're going to get into some of those. If any of you listening do want to chuck in your two cents, and ask a question anonymously you can do so on our tumblr that is help me help you help me sin.tumblr.com forward slash ask we are of course available through slipping into the dms on instagram and on facebook that is just help me help you help me sin so we're actually going to access the tumblr pool now it's looking pretty good we've had a good load of questions relating to future talk and work and travel and really just trying to balance your life, which it seems a lot of you are having a hard time with and, like we said, uh, knew it. You're all pulling that facade. So I want to start with first question, how can one think about the future without trying to predict it or worry about it? (laughs) Both Thomas and Kira are like, um... (laughs) So it's a it's a big one. It's a deep question. I um since I've come home from Europe, uh, I feel like one of those girls. Like, since yeah, I was when in I Europe, came from Europe yeah. no, but I've been trying to make a really big effort uh, to not wish my days away. Cute. Yeah, because nice. my boyfriend stayed behind when I came home for three months, and it's obviously hard to not sit and think. Oh, I just can't wait for him to be home. Can't wait for him to be home. And in the three months, I actually had such a great time. Like, there were mm. so many things going on for me. But now that the three months are up, I'm looking back and realising that three months of my life are done and I spent a lot of them – I enjoyed them by all means, but I spent a lot of them not in the moment or thinking about something else. And even I've, – I've taken it even into work now. I don't sit and think, oh, three more hours, four more hours. They're hours of your life and I'm trying really hard to appreciate – what I'm doing at this moment. So I think with the future, you, you're you not trying to predict it and you're not trying to not think about it, but you just need to be aware of who you are and what you're trying to gain or do in this moment. And this moment is also the future. It's contributing. You're going to yeah, take this personal version of yourself. Yeah, everything you do now is you're working towards this goal 
you don't need to predict that goal and you can't because you have no idea what you're going to come across. Mm. What's interesting is last week we were talking a bit about um, news resolutions and goal setting and it kind of seems really flowery for an instance and really, really thinking about that kind of stuff every day can be quite detrimental to living in the moment and being you. Mm-hmm. So it could be a good idea to think maybe briefly about what you'd like to accomplish in either the next few months or the next year or even longer but really probably worth thinking more about how what you're doing right now can contribute to that if it is mm. that important yeah, to you. Exactly. Do you have anything else to weigh in on? Um, I think as obviously taking things day by day is important. Um, you've got. To, I think it's important to have different sort of length goals. Uh, like, you know, maybe by the end of this week I'm going to do something. But, you know, in three years, I think it's important to have goals that are long-term and medium-term and obviously short-term. But, you know, you can't be hung up on any one of those because obviously a short-term goal is going to be hard. Um, it's You're more likely to miss it than a long-term goal. You know, you can't be hung up on missing that short-term goal. Yeah. You've got to sort of move on and go. And I think like I listened to the the show with Jono the other day and um, I think you guys sort of touched on that as well. So goal setting is very important and there is a lot of, uh, a lot, a lot of things out there that can help you sort of move towards the future. But I think like I've, I've spoken to my parents and stuff and I'm like, you know, like, what am I going to do when I grow up? And they say, you know what? I ask myself that question every day. Like my, my parents <laughs> are like, you know, been waiting in the workforce for however long, 30 years, That's 40 so years, sad. and they have no idea still. So, Mum and dad. Yeah. Well, I think the best thing that you can take away from that is to think how what you're doing right now can contribute to anything you're thinking of towards your future. Mm-hmm. The next question is, really kind of aggressive. What is the point of working so hard? Do you believe that majority of people do it because they want to or is it only to please the manager above you in the corporate hierarchy, gain a promotion and then repeat by kissing the next boss's ass? This person's angry. That person, that that person sounds one. like okay. me. <laughs> I think sounds they're one of your friends. Probably. Uh, yeah, I think, I think it's a tough one as well. Obviously, Again, oh, there's so many individual questions here. Like, I go to work every day and I genuinely enjoy doing work. And so, you know, sometimes if I have to chat to a customer for 20 minutes who's had something lost in transit and then the, all they want to do is swear at me for 15 minutes, you know, that that sucks. But at the end of the day, you know, I'm I'm there for a, for a reason and I'm doing my job. And so you can think of it in the way like, oh, you know, I've just gotten absolutely railed for, for 15 minutes from some old man in Queensland who just wants a TV. But... You know, yeah, I think I think you've got to really find it in yourself to do what you want and find a sort of a reason in it. And I think if you learn something from it, like my, my pop's favourite saying was, you know, every day is a school day. If you don't learn something, that's a day that you've wasted. Oh, so take, golden nugget. Yeah, exactly. So take every sort of little thing you do and go, you know what, I'm going to learn something from this. I'm going to be better because of this and I'm going to sort of move forward. Mm, Kira, what do you think? Well, working in a retail store that is... Um, nationwide (laughs) I know all about working for people who don't really care about you Mm. they care about money but I think in my retail job I've realized the reason I love it so much is not because I have crappy managers above me but because I'm working for customers and in a sense they're the people I'm at my job for I'm helping them feel Mm. good about themselves find the items that they want Uh, I'm struggling a little bit with this with my public relations job not because of my manager. I love everyone I work with, but more the fact that I'm working for, again, companies who are using me to make Mm. money. And it's such a different level of working for someone when you're behind a computer screen writing and it's not that one-on-one connection. And I feel that I completely understand this passive aggressiveness of I'm sitting here every day making money for someone else. I'm Mm. getting paid too, but it's not fulfilling my soul. Mm. I've uh, had a moment of should I be a teacher as well? Oh, I've had that moment too. Because I want to I want to work for people. I don't want to mm. work for someone who doesn't care about me. But the reality is that unless you're going to go out and start your own business and it's going to be incredibly successful, you're going to be working for someone else. Yeah, I think you need to realise your purpose. So mm. I guess it's a bit harder in the world of media and communications because you never really meet the people that you're yeah. helping um, or the people that you're sending a message to. But if that is going to help in your overall experience for your next venture, then I guess it's worthwhile. I so would, it's good to think about. I would also say like working full time and like I'm similar. So I work for a big online retailer. 
don't let that define you. You know, just yeah. because I go to work mm. every day and earn money for someone who's making more money than me, yeah. doesn't mean on my weekends I can't go to a protest about you know, something that I'm really passionate about, you know, yeah. about a Japanese whaling sort of thing or, you know, it doesn't mean that I can't sort of go out of my way and use the skills that maybe I have learned at work, you know, dealing with angry people yeah. and sort of apply those to something else in my life that I, I am really passionate about, I think defines me more than my job defines me. Yeah. yeah, I guess your job doesn't have to define you, but it can give you skills that might help. Mm. On to the next question. This is for Kira. How are you able to save and still go to festivals and also travel overseas? What is your secret to saving and not having to stay home every weekend? I'm actually a crazy saver. Really? Yeah, I love seeing my numbers go up. Mate. I really love it. I I actually worked while I was overseas in my last stint as well. I was freelancing, copyright. I also work a stupid amount of hours and I also and this is a big thing and I see how much money my friends spend on the weekend and it makes me ill (laughs) I love driving when I go out I will always be somewhere but the majority of the time I'm driving so I'm saving money on uber I'm not spending hundreds of dollars on alcohol Mm -hmm. which I would never do anyway Mm -hmm. uh it's that that's a big money saver huge money saver also being aware of where you want to go and where you don't want to go and not falling into FOMO, mm. that kind of stuff as well. Uh, but, yeah, I, I love saving and I love working and making money and saving. So do you think, like, the, I guess, way to save the best is to keep yourself busy with work so that you can think less about going out? Mm. Yeah, I feel mm, – I see, I love – I love – as the question person asker <laughs> said – they asked how I still go to festivals mm. and everything. If I have a goal in my mind, oh, I want to go to so-and-so festival, I want to travel to this country, Tra- saving is so much easier. I don't actually have anything in mind that I'm saving for right now, but I'm still finding myself obsessed with the saving. I think it's a mindset and some people don't have it. Mm. Some people do. Some people change. It's just insane because you work in retail. How do you not buy into that? buy into the like items. buy the items i this is this <laughs> falls into the, the last question i don't want to give money to the company that's paying me yeah and also when you're working retail you see the clothes every and single you know day it just feels like it. they're in your cupboard you're mm. over them i don't want it mm. <laughs> i've mm. seen it enough <laughs> yeah. wow mega saving tips the uber and driving yeah that's a really really good it's point a big one. uber is ridiculous i remember the best 21st present i got was from my friend Broden, shouts out. He got me like a hundred dollar Uber voucher for my twenty first and yeah, I literally spent it in like two weekends. I know, because it just kind of that's just it. But it really made me feel better about those two weekends. So we've got a couple more questions. How much money do you say you spend per day or week in Europe? You've both been to Europe. What were your finances like? Um I think it it depends on what you're doing you know I was I was at the World Cup for a little bit so one day you know I was um uh this guy was like hey I'm driving back to this other town uh 8am tomorrow morning and me and my mate realized that England was playing Sweden in that town the next day so we said you know what the World Cup only happens once every four years and we spent you know 300 US dollars each on a on a ticket to a football match but then other days you know you sort of go all right how many bananas do we have so you have a banana and three slices of bread and butter and about five beers and you you make do not spending any money so it it just depends what you're up to and and sort of the I'd say as well the level that you want to travel at like I know people who absolutely slummed it they just ate bowls of rice for six months straight but then like I don't think that's really sort of making the most of traveling yeah (laughs) like whenever I go on stints overseas or even just interstate I say to myself that I will be savvy, but if I'm going for a limited amount of time, I kind of just go like, whatever, it's a bit of a YOLO experience. Mm. I guess there's a bit of a difference when you're overseas for a longer period of time. Mm. I guess you kind of start to see the routine and the habits and you know kind of where your spending is going to go regularly. Whereas if it's just a one or two week trip, it's really hard to try and say like, yeah, hold back. Because when are you going to do that two week trip again? Well, honestly, the biggest thing your money goes to is food and you can't really do too much about that you need to eat and Mm. as much as I love cooking when I travel 
if I'm out and I'm an hour away from my accommodation, I'm not going to say to myself, oh, no, you've got chicken and rice at yeah. home. <laughs> I'm going to eat where I am and I'm going to enjoy that meal. Mm. At the same time, I travelling for the amount of time that I did, even my shorter trips, I – Again, I'm not a big spender. I'm, I don't ever hold back. I go to festivals, I party, I mm. buy clothes if I like them. But I don't spend stupidly. Yeah. I've got friends who are telling me they're taking 30K spending money to Europe <gasps> for three months. And I said, I actually don't know what you're going to spend that money on. How, how? Over there. Yeah, how ridiculous is that? I no. can't relate to that at all. But see, like, that's just wasted money because mm-hmm. that is – you could have taken at least 10 or 15 grand from that and kept it at home yeah. so that you're comfortable when you come home. Yep. Those people are going to come home. They're going to go away with the expectation of spending all that money mm. and, and they're going to come home with nothing. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Like, I, when I went overseas, I took probably more than I needed to when I was mm-hmm. on exchange and I came home with money and it was the best thing I could have done. Yeah, I set a limit. I told myself I have to come back with this amount of money in my account and I stuck to it and it was – I was never stressed for money while I was traveling. I was never at all. Um, but if I if I spent whatever I wanted in the first three, four weeks, I would have been screwed at mm. the end of my trip. But I was very aware that I still needed to book my flight home. I still needed to pay mm. for a lot of accommodation. I still needed to eat. I still had so many things that I wanted to do. So I never spent stupid money. Mm. And I think that's a big thing. It's a mature traveling thing as well, just yeah. not spending because you're overseas and realizing that when you come home, you're going to have to have something. I think going away helps with that as well. You yeah. know, if you've been away and you go, well, I really didn't need to spend all that money on that that I did last time. Next time you go away, you can sort of go, yeah. well, look, I won't do that next time and I'll, I'll make sure that I sort of save my money for something yeah. else that maybe I spent more money on. Yeah. Um, there's a last question and it says, how often did you have to work prior to going away to save up enough money? Ooh. Uh, <laughs> which is really dependent on how long you're going for. But yeah. let's just say yeah. one of the bulkier trips, so Thomas, you just did three months. How long was your last Euro trip? Four months. Yeah, yeah, four months. So around the three, four month, how much did you work before, like full time? It's so hard to say. I've been working since I left high school. I did start working very late. But I started working then and I continuously saved. So I actually went to Europe when I was a lot younger Um, my second year of uni and then bought a car after that so I probably was at ground zero around that time so that's 2015 and since then I just continuously saved I had a two holidays the year before last but I didn't come home with no money so I continuously built up on that cash that I had so I can't give a definitive Mm. answer of when I started and when I but you were still working full-time anyway really yeah I I never I've never had a I yeah I've never not worked Mm. yeah I think for me I so when I finished uni I was probably that's when I just started working at Co-Union I'd been working part-time but I was at uni so everything I was you know earning I was pretty much spending on food and and sort of (laughs) stuff like that uh but then so started working at Kogan like I was saying five days a week and then I was working at a bar on a Saturday and you know I said to myself I really do want to make sure I make this Europe trip count. So I was working five days a week at Kogan. So I'd start eight o'clock on, and then I'd start sort of eight o'clock and then finish it maybe 5.30. And then on Fridays I'd work eight till 5.30, then ride my bike to the bar and then work six till two. So, but then that was also tricky because after a month I was absolutely wrecked. Yeah. You know? yeah. And so I think it, it is important to have money obviously, but you don't want to leave on your trip being absolutely wrecked to yeah. start off with. Just quickly on that question, my first Euro trip was six weeks and I worked, I think something stupid like 12 or 15 hours every two weeks. I saved every single dollar I made and within a year and a half I went to Europe and was pretty comfortable. But before I went, I was living the worst life. Like I saved everything, had no social life, did nothing and it killed me. And when I came back, that was a, I'm never doing that again. Yeah. Mm. I need to work more, have a better balance between, I obviously got a new job after that as well. Mm. And that helps a lot. So it's consistent working and keeping your money in smart places. Yeah, I guess it's like you can balance where you can work four or five days a week and still go out on the weekend and maybe choose to drive instead of drink or you can have that one night a week where you drink and Mm. maybe spend like half a day's worth of earnings and if you did that then you still might be saving heaps more in the long run. Kira's like screwing up her face (laughs) because she would never do that. Well, some of us might do that, Kira. Um, 
it can just it can be a thing for you. Just worry about not burning yourself out, mm. and then being responsible when you are away. Don't spend everything at once. Maybe have an itinerary. Does that help? Mm. When you kind of plan some flights ahead of time and. Yeah, yeah. A, lot, a lot of stuff does happen sort of when you aren't expecting it. Like yep. this trip, as I was saying, to go to the football, literally met this guy on a bus at probably 10.30 after a match and, you know, 12 hours later I was in a town five hours away with <laughs> this guy and his, and his dad was like, let's go jet skiing. And I was like, <laughs> uh, so yeah, and they, luckily he had the jet ski. Oh, okay. So, um, but yeah, yeah, it's just you can't predict everything, but I think it's always good to go away with a – a loose plan and obviously book ahead. If you I, can. I booked my first two months of Euro and then my second two months I booked as I kind of went, but with a very clear idea of what I wanted. But same thing, every, anything can happen. I booked a bus to the wrong airport. So <laughs> my friend and I had to get in a cab and get to the next airport within 45 minutes. It was an hour and 20 minute drive. Oh he sped the whole way and charged us an arm and a leg. Mm. But after that, it's kind of money is whatever. Your experiences mm. are everything. Yeah. That's true. Okay, cool. I think we've wrapped up that segment really, really well. Uh, lots of questions. If you guys didn't get to catch up on all of those, if you didn't hear them from the start, you can definitely do so listening to the podcast, which will probably be uploaded within the week. So just keep an eye out on the Help Me Help You Help Me Sin profile on Facebook and on Instagram. And if you do want to submit a question for next week, you can do so by logging into help me help you help me sin.tumblr.com com forward slash ask of course you can do that anonymously i won't be calling you up and be like oh my gosh you're such a loser you can't save your money (laughs) no stress guys we've all been there but now i'm going to go to another cheeky tune when we come back we might just for the last 10 minutes talk a little bit about what etiquette looks like in an interview what your resume should probably look like and how you can get some jobs if you are ready for that again just briefly we all come from very different backgrounds when it comes to that and no pressure chill Mm -hmm. out you're tuned back in to help me help you help me on sin nation with your host peter petitas and we've got a good 10 minutes left and i just want to talk to my lovely guests thomas and kira a bit about the perfect resumes, application processes, interview etiquette. Kira, you've seen a lot of resumes because you've held like managerial positions in some of your part-time and casual work. What would you say stands out? Uh, anything that doesn't have play the cello in year seven oh. on it. <laughs> I've thrown out a lot of re- – no, I haven't thrown out. I've put a, to the side a lot of resumes that are just so irrelevant to the job. Mm. If you're applying for a job, well, a job that – I want to know that you've got experience relevant to the job. That does not mean that you've worked in a job similar or even worked at all. But if you're applying for a retail job and you're telling me that you're good at netball, I don't really care. I want to know that you're good at people skills. I want to know, I want to see you come into my store and introduce yourself and demonstrate these skills that you're saying you're having. I think that's a really big thing is in-person resumes. But that's... Okay. Yeah. That's more with walk-in jobs you can't really well you can go into offices and say hey I'm looking to apply Mm. and I have seen that done as well but you I guess you need to have you need to have experience and if you don't have experience you need to make whatever you have look like experience would you say putting those key skills in a cover letter as well just to kind of allude if you're not going to do a drop-in but to allude to what is further in the resume to kind of save the time Mm -hmm. yeah I'd say that's probably a good point yeah um and yeah, I guess like the cutoff would probably be definitely high school not being relevant if mm-hmm. you're a fresh out of uni. I think, would you say your uni results would be relevant? No. 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 I think it depends what you're in. Obviously, uh, if you're in medicine, probably it, more so. <laughs> I'm Commun- thinking about comms. And yeah, communication. No <laughs> yeah, comms, probably yeah. not. Um, Do you mind if I just ask a question quickly? Sure. So how important is the formatting of a resume? You know, if you've got it in your hand and you have to see one with like, you know, nicely set up and it reads nice and easy compared to a black and white, lots well, of dot Well, I points. used to have a really ugly resume <laughs> <laughs> until very recently. <laughs> but I, I'd, uh, I'm more interested in the content. But if, mm-hmm. again, if you're going for a comms role, which is when I changed my important. resumes up, especially something in graphic design, you need to showcase those mm. skills. If you're going for a writing position and your resume is full of errors, I'm going to not 
look at you again. Is it worth like being witty when you can in things like cover letters and those little about me sections? Again, it totally depends on what job you're going for. Mm. Completely depends. Yeah, Yeah. that's interesting. So I guess you need to get used to the idea of changing your resume every time you apply, which is something that I, it just racks my brain. Mm -hmm. Like last night I was looking for a few temporary jobs because I just want to do some temp work uh, while I'm managing my other part-time job at the moment before potentially going overseas. And just the idea of needing to change my voice for every single employer is so annoying and so time constraining, but I guess it's just something that you have to do if you don't have the contacts. There is no guarantee that anyone's going to read your resume or offer you an interview. Mm. probably doesn't happen very often. So don't beat yourself up about it. But if you do score an interview, what's the best way to hold yourself? How would you do it? I think, first of all, make sure you look presentable. You know, you don't want to come in in your tracky pants. And like, even though, as I was <laughs> saying, like I my workplace, I just wear shorts and a T-shirt. But, you know, if I'm going for an interview, I'm still going to be wearing a button-up shirt and pants and stuff like that. So... As soon as they see me, they go, all right, this guy, this guy's serious. But, um, yeah, and then make, make sure you're, you're personable. Again, depends on the job. Uh, a communications job will definitely be a bit more relevant, you know, that you're going to want to be making a connection, whereas, you know, an IT job or maybe something a bit more numbers-based or results-based, you might want to go, hey, this is, like, what I can do. And I think like, interviews are getting quite different these days. Like, I know people who have applied for Kogan – they've asked to like research the company and have a look at a bit of a history of Coke and you know how much do you know about the company and mm. and sort of stuff like that which is pretty interesting I thought. Yeah that is interesting. I've had interviews in the past where I was asked questions about yeah the organisation just to kind of like trick me into talking about how much I know um, and I was warned by someone that I knew who worked with them that they would do that. So mm. that might be worth doing if you don't know anyone who's in the workplace before you go in for an interview, yeah. just kind of getting a backlog of info, some quick stats and facts. But I think overall, just be yourself. I do really well in interviews. Um, I'm just a natural communicator. I guess it comes from my background of being a public speaker for the last three years. But if you're not willing to ask questions either, then Mm. it just kind of means that you don't really know what you're getting into and they haven't seen your inquisition either um, and whether you're, I guess, someone who's quite curious and curiosity can do really well, um, fare well in the workplace. So if you do have questions, I would say to ask them. Anything else? I can't say I've had too many formal interviews. Yeah, it just doesn't really happen anymore. (laughs) I... I've gotten really lucky and most of – I think I've only been knocked back from two of the everything I've applied for. But I feel like I've known a fair few people in the industry or I've been referred by someone else. It makes a big difference. Mm. Yeah. My, yeah. Yeah. I think knowing the position that you're going for and knowing the company that you're going for is pretty important. Like if you know that you're going for a job where you will be speaking to people, think about times where you in your previous positions or in your life where you have had to be a problem solver yeah. and, and sort of come ready with a bit of ammunition. As you were saying before, Peter, if they say, have you got any questions sort of at the end, even if it's something like, how's the culture here? Like, yeah. Yeah. and really, what, really why look is like... role available? Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, there are so many... I that that question at the end of interviews. What what questions do you have? Oh, stutter. <laughs> stutter every time. <laughs> it's also a good <laughs> chance Nothing. just to say why you want it. Yeah, like it I, is. I, my last job interview that like I was sort of being it was a internal promotion interview, and they're like, "Hey, do you have any questions?" I said, "You know, I just want to thank you know both the people who are interviewing me for all they've done for me. I think it's an, an amazing place to work, and I really want to be putting myself forward because I think I can contribute to that. So really, That's sort cute. of yeah, well, <laughs> bloody work. So. Well, there you go. Being a kiss-ass really does work. Hopefully you guys have felt a bit more comfortable with the prospect of full-time work or even makeshifting your own full-time work like Kira or getting into some casual work that eventually blooms into some full-time work. Whatever it is, try not to be scared of it. Go into it open-minded and it is not a contract for life. Mm. Actually, surprisingly, we've uncovered how flexible these kinds of terms can be on contract. If you do have any more questions, please do hit us up on Tumblr. Help me help you help me.tumblr.com forward slash ask. Thanks for tuning in on Sin Nation. This was a Sin Media podcast previously heard live on Sin Nation.